Hello and welcome back to The Game Pit. This is episode 157 and we're back to our review format. Ronan, it's another pit spit. I still don't like the name. It was funny the first 10 times. <laughs> I'm moving past it now. I, what are we going to call them? Oh, God knows. No exactly. So you've got nothing else, see? You're a contrarian. You don't like what I've proposed, but you haven't got anything else to go with it. I don't like that. I did have things. I forgot them now. Pit patter. No, that's, that's that's the baby games. Pitter-patter. Awful. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Hey, everyone. You're very welcome back to the Game Pit. Yes, we are back to reviewing after uh, Mr. Hughes joined us last time round. We have got eight games. Sean, ready to pick apart. Ranging from family to in-depth, I would say. Indeed, yeah. And uh, quite a lot of Cult of the New-ish from the last year or so, there's a couple that go straight end of last that. year. End of last year. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's been a lot of games come out since we still had to review these. So those real hotnesses are coming in the next reviews. These ones are like clearing up from the end of last year a bit. A few things that tinkled our dinkles. Tinkled our dinkles, yes, indeed. <laughs> That's a saying now. Good. Let's kick in. Our first one is something we teased and tweezed and tiptoed around last time is Bonfire from Stefan Feld it's from Hall Games and Pegasus Spiel 1-4 players 90 minutes to 2 hours and I've got a new feature Sean the depth rating on BGG is 3.58 saying medium to heavy I'd suggest indeed indeed there you go theme 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 gnomes Uh, yeah this is one of the things Ronan that I'm going to say He's a tad confusing about this game. <laughs> one of the <laughs> Just things. one of the things. Okay. This is number one in the confusing amateur. <laughs> okay. Some sort of gnomes. We've got to visit islands. There's guardians. We've got to do offerings. The light's gone out in the world. Or the lights or the bonfires that power the world yeah. or do something. You've gone, gone too out. deep already. Okay. <laughs> there are paths the guardians walk along and there are bonfires. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. Okay, <laughs> I don't know where it came from. It doesn't help you understand the game. I'm not sure anything helps you understand the game. Literally. Yeah, it, it, but it's such a weird theme to add on to it. Like, where did the, where did it come from? I'd like to know where. where <laughs> You'd like I'm to know. <laughs> okay, how does it actually work? So. The central mechanism is there are three actions you can take in your turn. You take one of these actions. And the first one is what I'll call the central mechanism around which everything else swims is that you have a column of action tiles. Those action tiles have got three squares on them and they're squares of various colours and they link to the various actions you can take in the game. When you are low on action tiles remaining in your pool, you take either the top or the bottom from your personal column of action tiles and you place it onto a grid in front of you and you're filling the grid in with these little strips. When you place though, you're gonna collect as many action tiles as the areas of the colors you've just placed down. So if I place a red next to two other reds, I'll collect three red action tiles, not just the one for the strip I've just placed and so on. So you're trying to create a clever area, little tiny mini game to allow you to maximize the number of action tiles you can take. But the way that those three colours are set up on the different strips, Sean, means that you always have to prioritise certain colours over other ones, and that is a large part for me of the strategy behind whatever strategy there is in this puzzle aspect that drives the whole game. It goes back to what I was saying about the Feld games in our last episode, Ronan. 
uh, he likes to get that one sort of mechanism that drives the rest of the game. This one for me wasn't the most interesting one that he's done. I'm not saying it that the ones he usually does, like the Mancala in. <laughs> yeah, in I can't forget. Remember the game Trajan. You can't Trajan. forget it. You can't forget Trajan. No, I can't no. forget. And the obviously the the planning of the computer in a aquasphere. Oh, what an aquasphere! Thanks, thanks. Trademark. Yeah, okay, trademark. Thanks. And this one wasn't the most interesting. Also, because you can, you've got a, a lineup of of these strips, yeah, and you can only take the top or the bottom. As I said, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Though you, you kind of emphasize his emphasis. I'm, you didn't hold up your emphasis. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. You, you are limited, so I think that takes away some of the agony of choice, and but, therefore, but you can look ahead and look at how you're because you you randomise how your strips are laid out, and you can look it and start planning ahead and making your pattern of, in forehand and say, I'm never going to get loads of reds, so Ooh. that can't be my strategy this game. But it does look like I can get loads of I don't know whatever blues whatever, and, and I'll tell you what all these different colours do. But I think familiarity with the game allows that part to feel more strategic. Yeah, possibly, but I still think you're 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 slightly hampered and it doesn't have the freedom. Oh you're hampered. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have the freedom of some of the other the other mechanisms that he uses. But to me, lack of freedom runs throughout the whole game. And Mm. there's something I'm gonna come back to that I keep saying it's tight, it's restricted, apart from one bit that sort of blows it wide open. So rather than teasing around what we're talking about the second action you can do on your turn, you can place the action strip as the first one, you can use the action tiles you have. So there are islands and you have a boat and you can sail around. And to sail around costs you one of your blue tiles you to move one island along or two to move two or three to move anywhere. Now, on these islands, there are these offering tiles which you can collect, as we'll see later on, or there are guardians you collect. But the ability to get around the place, Sean, back to what I just said, very tight, very restricted, you you almost have to plot your path beforehand before you really know how the game's going to go for you. Yeah, you certainly have to target certain islands, certain areas, whether you're going for the Guardians and what colour Guardians you're going for, where you think you can score, because the scoring on the islands is, is a big part of it. You're getting the disc and you're putting them onto your player board to, to score later. So, yeah, it's, it's obviously a massive part where you do have to plan ahead and think about what you're doing. There's not a lot of scope for just sort of landing in a place and going, eh, I'll wing it, I'll take that and see where it gets me. It's the second part for me of the game that as the strategy, the rest of it to me is very tactical. The problem for me with trying to be strategic in that ship movement is that you don't know exactly what's going to come your way. And it's very hard then to react to the randomness that happens in the game, which we're going to see as we come up. So, Sorry, you're pulling a lot of things together and it's very hard to keep them all in your head to say, right, okay, this is the optimum move for me right now because you're thinking about, okay, what's the next strip that's going to come out? What am I going to get a lot of actions in? What am I going to score? How far along the path are my guardians? What colour guardian do I need next? Where are the scoring tokens? So there's so much going on. So let's talk through the other actions quickly because I think we're talking about guardians of the path and stuff, it's not going to make too much sense until we whiz through them, all right? Yep. So the guardians, there are f- in the four corners, makes it very difficult to get to. There are four different colours. Every person can only have one of each colour, plus one of your own colour. So when you go to these islands, when you use guardian tiles, you can either recruit a guardian to come and sit on your board, 
or you can move your guardians around a path. Now the path you have to forge yourself, there's only one link on it. Another thing you do is that you get these path tiles, green path tiles, and you can spend those as an action to grab one of four paths and lay them around. And there are two things on these paths. One is there's a resource. Now, when you use your guardian tiles to move your guardian around the path, you can collect one of those resources of whatever type it is, and there's six of them in the game, or there's a color. And you're trying to match the color of the path to the color of the tile that Sean was talking about, the offerings that you're collecting, the other thing you can collect from the islands. But you don't know what paths are going to be available to you, especially if you're playing with more than two players, those paths are attacking, because everyone's going to grab six or seven of them. And therefore you don't know what resources you're going to get so it's hard to plan what offerings you're going to get yeah. and it's the way that all links together is what adds I think to the confusion because you can't see too far ahead despite yeah. the fact the game is asking you to yeah I, I actually disagree with you slightly there Ronan in that the the paths themselves I think there's there's enough out there and there's enough sort of rotation of them that you, you can generally get the colour you want it's very rare that you're denied one of the three colours my thing with it is that it especially when you go around a bit, because the first three path tiles you take only cost you one tile. The second path tiles cost you two tiles. You cannot reset your action tiles unless you have three or fewer. So if you're hanging on to two garden tiles in order to wait for a particular one to come out that's going to fit your plan, you're then really restricted. You have to, you have to completely rinse your hand out before yeah. you can reset and grab more. And it's kind of that frustration of, I think, to me, a lot of time people just end up grabbing any old path. But maybe that's just the way I play the game. Okay. I'm talking about all this tightness. There are offerings that you take. This is the links to the resources you have or having certain colours of guardians. And they go in and they become your bonfires. And they sit there until you are ready to claim them, which is the third action. Before we get on to that, there are two other things I want to go over quickly. There is a cards action. There are two different types of cards that you can recruit. One of those sets of cards, they rotate all the time. When you take one, it refills and they give you special powers for the whole game. The other type, there are a set number of them, and when you take them, they're gone, and they just score you points immediately. And they're the only immediate points in the whole game. And it's nice to have the individual powers, I guess, but it always felt like a throwaway action to me. It felt like a throwaway action unless there was an absolute obvious, that's a great power. And they turn up every now and again... And the person who gets them... If it's them, early in the game. Yeah, and then the person who gets them, I think, has a big, big step up in terms of uh, where they're going and what they're going to maximise. So there's one that, when you go around the bonfire, you take tokens. Uh, you can take a resource, you can take a... Okay, a, a so go around the bonfire is the last action we're going to go over. Right, okay. There are bonfire tokens. Yeah. When you spend them, you spin a bonfire in the middle of the board mm -hmm. and that gives you the flexibility because by spending bonfire tokens you can collect other action tokens yeah. or you can collect a resource that maybe you can't get from your path mm -hmm. or there are these portals you can get they're in seven different shapes everyone's board is different as to what portals you need now the portals start on the right side of your board and work anti-clockwise back around to the left and the path starts on the left side of the board right. and works clockwise around to the right and when you move your guidance along the path as well as collecting resources as they go also, you can move them across onto a completed task that you've done to score points at the end of the game, as long as you have a portal in the right place. And if you match up the colour of the path to the colour of the, the offering the bonfire, you're also going to score. But Sean, I'm confusing myself. 
Well, this is it. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to follow what you what you're saying, yeah, and for once, I'm actually listening to you, and I'm, I'm I'm really thinking about it, and you're confusing me. And I've played the game, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, Okay, because I kept trying to jump ahead onto the bonfire. Herona's going to cut it all out. Because I, I thought he'd started talking about it. I, 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 it's so hard. There's so much going on. The game is just really, really confusing. But what I do like, Ronan, I do like that you, you have, you're going from left to right with the portals and right to left with the pass. And you kind of really have to think about... Right, I mean, it's I the other way around, but you confuse yourself there, but sure. Whatever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I even did the actions and I did it wrong. As well. I said it wrong. But yeah, so you 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 really have to think about matching those two, and you can't go too heavy one because you're just not going to get the the crossover points and not going to get your guardians onto the bonfires to score extra points. Oh, so much going on. Yeah, there. we need to stop talking about mechanisms. There's too many. Yeah. There okay. Really is. There's a couple of other things you can do though. So, in theory, to me, when you start playing the game, there are all these tasks laid out on these islands, and you've got this boat, and part of it is to drive off and grab these tasks, and they become your bonfires, and your guardian score points, your score points for doing them. It should be a driving part of the game. That's what it feels like when you first start playing for a normal Euro. Is it, Sean? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's it. It's, it's an interesting part of the game, but it's not felled at its absolute best. It's not clever enough to be a great felled, and it's it's a little bit convoluc- convoluted. And like that word. <laughs> convoluted. <laughs> um, it's a little bit convoluted, and it's, it's, it's hard to remember. It's hard to sort of keep focus on it because you've got so much else to think about and I think that's where I'm not saying this is a bad game but it's where it kind of fell down from the top top fell games for me well that sounds like a, a bit of a uh, a summing up to me I've written it down here I enjoy it but it's in the bottom half of felds for me yeah I think he threw too much at this one I think he had two or three game ideas in there and he just kind of chucked them all in to see what stuck. And that's what it feels like. And the only reason it kind of hangs around in the memory is because how confusing it was and <laughs> how hard it is to remember. You've had to everything. think so hard to work it out that it's still stuck in your brain. It's not yeah. something you studied for. It's and like that- <laughs> you remember it in 20 years' time. Oh, yeah, I know how this works. It took me a long time to get there. And the rule, the rule book is is okay. The rule book's okay, but it's such a confusing game. I, I watched a video before looking at the rule book, and I was still confused. Yeah, I was confused reading through the rule book first time, and then after one play, or it clicked into place. But it wasn't the easiest. But the rule book was fine. You're right. Um, what I'm going to say is that I think that central mechanism is interesting. And I said it last time, I wish he had taken more of a Year of the Dragon approach to this and built a 60-minute game around the central mechanism of the action selection. Instead, he's just poured mechanism upon mechanism on top of it. The system itself restricts you at every stage, and then the game feels like it pours treacle on top of it because everything's difficult, but everything's difficult in a different way. And nothing's easy to do, and nothing feels satisfying to me. 
there's things where if you achieve a certain thing, like you get all your portals or all your parts of your first one, you get to put a, a dude into a council. Now, whenever you achieve a score or a bonfire, you get to put a dude in the council that are separate places. That gives you extra power. They can give you an edge. They're good. However, with these neutral ones, if you're the first one to do it, you get to go back into the place you've already been, which will give you another edge. It's very important to think about, but it's a very small part of a game. But the edges that you get like that are really important. I think there's just too many fiddles going on. Uh, even if there'd been one island of the Guardians in the middle of the map, and if you chose to go back there and choose a colour and take it off, but to have them split into the four corners, they're mm. almost impossible to get to. Yeah. Very, very difficult. So you have to use the the either powers of a card or the powers of the council in order to fill for your full Guardians. So you're, you're kind of locked into certain strategies, but fiddly, roundabout, maze-like ways to get to where you need to go. What, sorry, what it feels like to me is that Steffenfeld intended you to pick one or two main strategies out of this sort of plethora of strategies and tactics you can use in the game and all these mechanisms and all these sub-games. felt like he, he intended you to just take one or two and keep it quite simple and streamlined for yourself. But the that central mechanism, by its very nature, has other actions in it. So you never... You, you might... Okay, I might be going for the purple, which gives you lots of movement on the central bonfire... I'm like, yeah, I might want to want one chain load of those together, but just by having two other icons on there, I'm going to chain other things. And it felt like it, the game almost set me up to, to go down two or three or four different routes. Oh, so I'm going to disagree with you. Okay. I That's think fine. as a player you want to go down one or two routes and you want to specialise because you feel like that's the best way of doing it. But the game and design forces you to do a bit of everything, which is why it becomes frustrating. Yeah. Because you end up so. having to do things that you don't want to do. I think we're saying the same thing. But, but I think it was ways. deliberate. You're saying like, you did... Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. You... I think he's made you do that in right. the way that everything okay. interlocks so much that you have to get the portals to use the bath, to use the guardians, to score the bonfires and get more points. I think he's he's... Locked it in too much, so it's too yeah. locked together. Yeah, so we've got the same, we've got the same opinion, opinion, but we we just think Mr. Feld's head was in different. Spaces. We've sailed around the, the island slightly differently. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this isn't my sort of a thinky euro. I actually thought it was more your sort of a one. You are more of a fan of multiple step things to score points in various ways. I would prefer there to be a clever mechanism with with interesting scoring. So I'm quite surprised, actually. I thought you'd like this more. I thought it might have been in your top five. I, I I don't mind it. I will play it. But I just think there's just too much going on for me. And it, it, it kind of drips into the side of not being fun and being too thinky and too daunting. To, to even just start a game, where do you start? Like, I wouldn't know. If you, if you brought it out again now, I'd be like, I don't know what to do. I got that from the way you try to explain it. <laughs> I agree with you without being quite as negative as that. I still think it's a good game. Just if, you're, if I was going to pick a fell to do, and it gives me a similar feel to, uh, to more these more complicated ones, I'd pick a different one. If someone else had the one to play, I'd happily do it. And after several games, I'd almost be able to maybe teach it for another week before it... <laughs> no, nah, it's burned. It's seared in there. I will be able to teach this game for a while. Okay, Bonfire. We said last time... Would this be a return to form for Feld up to the very peak of design? And I, for me and you and in general, I don't think it is. It's no. too fiddly. No, definitely not one of his better games. Okay. Here's another couple of classic designers, Sean, who have made a splash in Paris. Yes, uh, it is Paris or Paris. 
Uh, it came out in 2020. It's a two to four player game, and the designers that Rodan is talking about are Michael Kiesling and Wolfgang Kramer. And the game came from Game Brewer this time. So the theme of this is that you are real estate investors in 1900s Paris. And you're investing in the new buildings and the landmark and the general sort of ambiance of, of, the, of the city itself. On your turn, you quite simply, you've got, you've got a bunch of keys behind your screen and everyone keeps all their components and their resources uh, secret. And you're going to place a key on, into a neighbourhood or if you've already got a key in the neighbourhood that you want to uh, influence, you're going to move one of your key onto a building site on, on that that's come drawn from a, a bag. So you can't just place them on any building site. It has to be one that's already drawn. And these buildings are numbered from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 and 8. And these are effectively area control points for the end of the game. And that's one of the ways, or the main way, you're really going to sort of drive home to score points in this game is by moving your keys onto these area control points. There are other things that they do. Uh, some of them will allow you to go around a track, around the outside of the board. They say one of those push-your-luck mechanisms where you can go as far as you want, but you can never go backwards. So you, and they, it's always all boons and ways to break the rules and do slightly different things and to get different scoring and what have you. And lastly, you can bring a monument into play, which is additional to the board, and you can bring it into a neighbourhood, and that gives you even more area control points quite a simple teach this one Ronan but I think it was more and I'm saying this, it was better than, than we thought it was going to be but I certainly more than it, the sum of its parts in terms of the tactics and strategy that was needed to win it. Yeah one of those that you read the rule book or you learn how to play and you go is that it and then you start playing and you go oh is this it mm. <laughs> So, yeah, you, you start looking there. So there's various areas. I think there's eight of districts in, in, in Paris. And it's what area do you want to go in? Are, are the players going to challenge you going into that area? And I think that's a key component of, of whether this game is going to appeal to you or not. It's, it's quite, it can be quite combative, but it can also be quite nice depending on the type of players you're playing with. I think that if you play quite nice, you let people get set up and it's going to be a lesser experience. Yeah. Like all area majority games, it is naturally combative and you have to go in against each other. Now, it does give structure to that. So it's not willy-nilly, it's not wild. You have to follow in where there is a building. Buildings can be blocked by other players. And one part, one of the things off it is that every time you move off a building, you're possibly opening that up for other players to step into. Another thing that removes some of the chaotic element you get in a lot of area majorities is that because the key has to be moved to the district first, you know who is valid to jump in when yeah. you move. It's not just I come out of here and anyone can jump in there. It's always sort of one step ahead and you can see where things are going. Although there's just this slight areas for surprise moves, generally the pattern unfolds, but quickly though, because it is a quick yeah. game. Well, I probably haven't described very well. You're not just leaping into an area and choosing a number to go on. You've got to pay for it, Ronan. And money is very scarce in this game. So, But one of the things they do allow you to do is deduct the amount of the tile that you're on. So if I'm going from 
the five to the eight, I don't pay the full eight, I pay three because it's the difference from five to eight. But as I said, money is incredibly tight in this game. You've really got to pick and choose where you go. When you, when you invest in an area, you're literally invested in that area. Yeah. You And again, that's it makes it more than sort of, I'll throw a cube in there just to sort of be present and hopefully scab the third place points. Everything costs me something, which adds a little bit of weight to very simple decisions. Yeah, and I mentioned strategy and tactics. I think it's quite difficult to be strategical in this game. Strategic? Is that strategical right? or monocle? I'm whatever. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. Any of them. It's quite difficult to, to play strategically in that you've got to kind of react to what other players are doing. So if if you think you're, you've got an area sewn up and then, and then somebody else makes a, a, a move for it, you've got to be able to react. You've got to be flexible and you've got to sort of have plan A, B and C. Now, yes, in the first half of the game, and that is where we start coming across one of the first problems with it is that in the first half, I felt like I was watching like a hawk. I was reacting. I was deciding. I hadn't fully invested. One of the problems I had with Paris was that mm-hmm. as it developed onwards, I was more locked in. And then that flexibility went and my strategy was set. And now the only way I have to maximise what I'm doing, because I am investing in certain areas, is to make sure I'm getting enough stuff to get those monuments out. And in order to do so, there's then only one or two valid routes for me to go down. And I felt like the decision space really, really narrowed to a point at the end and then got drawn out for a long time. I would concur with that. It definitely was more tactical at the beginning because once you once you are ensconced in a in a district, you you, you could pretty much have it locked up and that nobody else can really touch you in it. Now, one of the reasons why you might not jump straight to the eight, so um, spend all your money, go straight to the eight, get those um, area control points locked in, is that the one, two, and three buildings offer you a chance on that outer track that I mentioned, Ronan. How much of a difference did you feel that track made what did it did it entice you to go out to it or did you just feel most of the scoring was just in in the area control no yeah very clever and i think it worked very well and what that did was it set that pacing for the first half because you did want to go on the outside track there's some very juicy stuff on there there's bonuses there might be the the resources or the money that you're going to need to really finalize your moves so therefore it does set that sort of tactical thing off. Just because Sean's keys in that area doesn't mean he's jumping in on the six and he's grabbing hold of it. He might be desperate for that bit of wood he can get from the one or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And I really thought that that track and the fact you only get it from small investments was a very, very clever way to produce the the gradual stepping up and competition and to draw the competition out in each area, but in a very good way. In terms of actual endgame scoring, I didn't I didn't manage it, but I think there is a path to victory on that outside track and not maybe concentrating as much on the area control. There's definitely points to be earned. Nah, I'm not having this path to victory though. I think you're looking for the edge out there, but I don't think you can win the game just by playing well on that track. But it can make the difference in a tight game for sure. Cool, right. One of my issues with it, Ronan, is that and I think I think it's it's a, it's a good game. I, I really enjoyed my first few games of it, but then I hit a bit of a, a stumbling block in that games one, two, and three were exactly the same uh, same as games three, four, and five. 
Well, three will three, be four, the same. Well, three, I played three, three twice. Three will be the same as three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, I, I played three twice. Right, got that. I, it should be known, I've just come off a 12-hour early. I'm very tired. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of mistakes. So, four, five, and six. Yeah, all right, okay. You did that as well. <laughs> How were they close to three, three, and one? Well, three, three, and one. and One, I play, I liked it so much, I played it three times. Okay, okay got that. Right. I've got that, yeah. One, 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 two, three, three. <laughs> three, three. <laughs> it, it really didn't differ enough. No, I've only played it two player and three player I think it works fine at both player accounts uh, three player better because there's more interaction there's more sort of vying for the for the districts but yeah they didn't change enough for me Ronan number one game was pretty much the same as number six which game. number one game well, middle one. Okay. The middle one was just... Okay. <laughs> All the ones were just the same as number six game. And... Because they were the ones I played two-player. You should, you should label this point a bit further. I know, I should. Okay. But there you go. Yeah, I, I, it didn't change. <laughs> it's very samey, right? You could have just said that. Okay. I uh, Yes, but that comes, I think, from playing it two-player so much. I don't think that's the best way to play it. I think you need the competition of at least three. You need the unusual moves... In a game like this, some play, some games work two-player because you can explore different areas. In this, I feel like that without that challenge, without that third wheel, without the unexpected happening, you will just get into ropes. You'll lock up areas more easily. You'll be less challenged on the track around the outside and the whole thing will fall a bit flatter. I actually played this more three-player than I did two-player. And Jude came round. Even those ones between himself and myself and Nat and me, you and Rachel... It didn't feel different, mate. It just it just felt like going around the same streets and sitting in the same cafes and looking at the same monuments in Paris. Well, see, see, I like that we're talking about going to the cafes, all right? <laughs> because I feel like that we really haven't mentioned the actual most salient point when it comes to view in Paris. Because you sit down in a cafe, be it in Paris or anywhere else, <laughs> And you get poured a nice cold pint of Guinness, Sean, right? <laughs> and you let it settle for a while because you're not a Philistine. And then you start having a schluck. You're like, oh, I needed this lovely pint of Guinness. This is really, really nice. <gasps> oh, I'm enjoying it even more. And then you get about a third of it left and you start going like, hmm, tastes a bit funny. Did I not brush my teeth? Or is lunch over? And then you get down to the bottom bit and, then, and you find a cigarette butt in the bottom. <laughs> and you're like, oh... Did this, oh, did this game have a cigarette butt for you? I remember enjoying the first two thirds of this point, but it's been ruined by the fact that the end game sucks. <laughs> oh, God, you know what? I'd forgotten. I wonder why you hadn't written it down. Yeah, yeah, I'd completely forgotten. Well, it. you're the best reviewer in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The end game just drags. They've, they've made an end game that just lasts forever so there's tokens that only become available once uh, all the, the tiles have been played out yeah all the buildings and that's the end game trigger so when people have taken all of those tiles that's when the game's going to mm. end now no one knows exactly who's going to win and everyone feels like they can score a few more points here and a few more points there so the taking of the tokens although they can help you in certain steps they're not all going to get ta- taken quickly and even if you didn't do finish, you think, well, I'm done doing points, you're then just taking a token on your turn for no use <laughs> while you wait for other people to do things and there's a bit of working out and they, they've got slightly longer turns where they're like, I bet there's a bit of that, I'll build that monument, oh, can I jump in? And they're reacting to each other a little bit and you're there like, I'm oh, just going to take one tile on my turn and sit yeah, for another yeah, three minutes. That's it, yeah, because if you, what you think you're, you're going to win that game, you want the game to end as quickly as possible. 
and it's very laborious. <laughs> I take a token. There's still nine left. <laughs> well, we've got lots to do. Okay, we've done our bit. I'll take a token. There's eight left. <laughs> but we've got lots to do. Oh, my God, just end, please. So this, to me, was the whole key Whoa. to Paris. Whoa. Really enjoyable, surprisingly enjoyable first two thirds. Died on its absolute behind in the final third, which means that I am not keen to get it to the table again. Not my favourite Keys and Kramer by a long way. Yeah, I for me to get it to the table again, it would have to be house ruled. What we didn't mention is the beautiful production, Ronan, absolutely stunning. Uh, the artwork, the components, all really, yeah, really it's nice. All right. Oh, I thought it was beautiful. But anyway, but regardless, I think it I, I own the game. It was me that bought it and I brought it around to Ronan and I think I'm I'm done. I'm having a game sale soon and I think it's gonna be part of that game sale, Ronan. I did enjoy Oh available it. soon from Sean, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out in February. <laughs> Massive game sale. I wish I liked it more and continue to like it, but it's just not for me anymore. A bit samey. That end game ruined it. It would have to be house ruled. And Paris, close, but no cigar. More Saint Denis. <laughs> Maybe more Saint Denis. to Paris. Did you like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. All right. Calico. Calico. By Kevin Russ. By Flat Out Games. One to four players. 45 minutes. A 2.16, Sean. On the BGD scale, which is a light medium. Mm, no. You ain't having that. Not having that. Light medium rules. Light medium rules? Right. Oh, yeah. Let's go on from there. <laughs> okay. Now, Sean is so excited about this game, even though it's my game to introduce, I don't know whether you want to go first or you want me to just... Do you want to go? Because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to contain you. <laughs> so... Well, tell, tell them roughly what it's about. Oh, so you want me to go? I'll just yeah, double check yeah, it. I, I, didn't know, go. I know yeah. you're going to jump in. I didn't know what point you wanted to jump in. Right. It's a tile-laying game. There are tiles of six colours and six different designs. So there's three of each type. So there's three green stripes, three green dots, three green flowers, whatever you want to call yeah. them. But there's three of each Stuff. of six. Yeah, there's, there's 36 different things and there's three of each. Right, you got it. Good. Amazing. You have a board. The board is already edged with tiles and half tiles. And unusually in a game like this, they count as part of the game. Mm. You can build off them. And during the course of the game, you are going to fill the 22 spaces left on your board with these tiles in order to score points. It's as simple as that, 22 turns. The way it works is you have two tiles drawn randomly in your hand, and you're gonna play one of those tiles down onto your board any way you like, it doesn't have to be adjacent to anything, you can do it wherever, and then you're gonna draft another tile into your hand from the three available. And there are various ways of scoring from there. The way you score, the most basic one is, if you get three tiles of the same color or more in a pattern, you get a button for that, and that's a simple three points at the end of the game. There are also cats available. Cats like patterns, buttons like colours. Now, there are basic cats, or there's a few in the box, and they want various things, but they basically want either a certain number of a pattern to be all together, and they're gonna give you a cat to come and lie on it and give you some points, or they want a specific shape. Now, the patterns they want vary from game to game. They get set up by the random draw. So one cat might want four dots to all be together, and they'll come alone on your quilt and give you points. Another one might want three lines in a straight line. Lines in a straight line? I said that poorly. Let's go three flowers in a straight line. That'll be better. Uh, and then they'll come alone on your quilt. So you're looking to get the colours together. You're looking to get the patterns together. But here is the kicker. 
For every game, there are three scoring tiles out of six, and they get placed in three spots on your board which are set, but the scoring tiles you get once you're used to the game are randomised. They will score for you in certain patterns. Are we calling them scoring tiles? <laughs> I think, I think we should scoring. be calling them little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> So, they might say something like A-A-B-B-C-C, meaning if you get two of one colour, two of another colour, two of another colour, you'll get points. Alternatively, if you get two of one pattern, two of another pattern, two of another pattern, and there's six spaces around it, you'll get the same number of points. If you get both, which you'll try to do, you'll get a few more points for doing it. <laughs> Once everyone's placed their 22 tiles down, you're going to add up your points for your cats, for your patterns, for your buttons, for your colours, and your scoring tiles for whatever you've managed to get around them. And whoever scored the most points is the winner. Very simple to explain, Sean. A nice, cute, lovely little tile layer with very few rules. What did you think when I first explained the game to you? Well, let's go back a little step, right? Oh, do we have to? Okay. We have have to go back. I was not looking forward to playing this. I heard it was good. I saw, I don't know if it was in Kickstarter or wherever, but wherever I first saw it, I saw the picture of the cat on the front and I thought, eh, someone's tried to copy Patchwork. And yeah, I was not interested. We we played uh, another game where, when we had our little game day and you brought Calico out and I, and I, I objected. I said, no, can we not just play something else? I'm not, I'm not fussed about this one, man. I said, no. You said... You said, no, we're reviewing it. You're not it. a guest in this house. You'll do as you're told. <laughs> you said, we're reviewing it. Give it a go. It'll only last 20 minutes or so. And so begrudgingly, I started playing. And within two minutes in... Two? Two not, minutes? Maybe not even. Yeah. When my second tile had to be placed, basically, I was like, oh, my God. There's so much to think about. <laughs> <laughs> and on the base of it, you, you've got three tiles to choose from. And then you're drawing another tile from a bag oh, to replace them. Yeah, oh, the drafting. Yeah, you're talking about the drafting rather than actually yeah. what you're playing. Yeah, you're yeah. Which one to draft into your hand? Yes. Oh. So you've got, you've got, yeah, you've got three things you're going to do on your turn. You're, you're playing one of the two tiles that you have in your hand into the most optimum place, and there are many optimum places. Or are there? <laughs> or are there? And then you have a, th- a choice of three from the middle of the table. Agonising choices, <laughs> usually. <laughs> Very rarely, it's weird. It's very rarely that you go, yeah. Well, that's the obvious one because they all do. They all do good for you. Or and then the last one, which is the worst, especially near the end of the game, right? And when you need something desperately to turn up, you're dipping into the bag and bringing out a wild. Uh, a Don't random. take that one! Don't take that one! <laughs> and everyone knows what you're after. <laughs> everyone knows that Sean needed the blue stripe. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to read each other's board and be like, oh, you've planned for something perfect right there. Yeah. Rachel needed a tile. Literally, the last two draws to score 17 points last time I played. And that's a, that's a quarter of your points, basically. But if I got it, I'd score 10 points. And lo and behold, I got it. The, the <laughs> screeching. Unless the beak. Unless the beauty of the game is every choice matters, not only to you, but to everyone. Because everyone wants to see what one you're going to take and how that affects their plans. Everyone wants to see what tile you're going to draw out of the bag and how that affects their plans. <laughs> Nobody is head down on this one thinking about their next go because everyone is interested in your go. And that is 
that's the beauty of it. I've written down a comment here that I can't say, Ronan. I can read it, though. A head what? Uh, Your head yeah. got stuck. Yeah, head, head, head stuck. Yeah, head yeah, stuck. Yeah, that's where it sounded. Yeah, okay, good. Sorry, I haven't, I haven't let you speak. So... <laughs> What I think you're talking about there, because there's only three of each colour. Let's say, for example, Sean has used two pink dot tiles. There's only one left in that bag. It may not come out. In a four-player game, it's likely to. Fewer than that, it's not likely to. Uh, that then affects how I build my patterns because mm. I can't rely on getting a pink dot out, so I should be thinking around that. And then you start overthinking. But the level of rules to the thinkiness and fun is into the realms of board game genius. It, it's getting, it's getting there. It's get absolutely getting up there, and yeah, he's trying to chain the different scoring together. So he's trying to make it so that you, you're going around one of the scoring things that says you need three of three of each color and three of each color, or what have you, and trying to make those colors that be next to each other so you get on the button, or try and make because the they pattern. interlock. Yeah, yeah. There's like they share one or two spaces with each other, so you have to when you're building one, you have to think about how that's going to yeah, how the that's going to affect your other one, and then it's obviously trying to get the patterns in the right space and using the edge of the board as well to to add to your pattern and oh just so much to think about I've only got praise for it it's a terrible review because I've only I've, instant classic is the next thing written down It the, the game recently that it will remind me of is Azul only this mm. has made an even more positive impact in this house than Azul I, I saw people talking about I think Tom Vassell said that it was an Azul replacement possibly ah, I wouldn't go so far I really love Azul I, I love but in Azul. terms of initial impact this is even we've been thinking about yeah. this even more yeah, absolutely. For me as well. For me, the game it probably is going to replace is patchwork. I think it, it gives that it scratches that same itch as patchwork, placing things and choosing. Yeah, you don't have to think about the shape, but you got to think about the patterns that you're creating. So yeah, I'm not sure I'd play patchwork much after this at all. Once I once I finally get my dirty mitts on a copy because it is sold out everywhere. Worldwide sellout. Cannot yeah. get hold of it. Okay. Do you want to sum up? That's all I've got left. I'm, I'm just heaping praise. Uh, Roland, there's nothing more to say. It's, it's a great game. Very simple rules. Very deep gameplay and an enjoyable experience all round. And quick. And quick, yeah, yeah. So it can be played at any level. You can play it family and just go after like simple things. It can be very, very competitive and you can really get into it really fun. There's sort of a dawning realisation on you that as you set your patterns, what it is you're actually trying to do, and then you go into the agony. Do you wait for the perfect tile? Do you compromise? Because when you compromise, you're, you're loosening off other ways you can score on your board. Because you still have got to score in the corners. you still got to make your patches of colour. you still got to make your, your patterns mm -hmm. while you're doing these scoring patterns. Because if you don't, you will lose anyway. Like The scoring for those... You need to do the scoring tiles, but they won't win you the game. You have to play well outside them as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and at the point at which you compromise... Like I say, you're loosening up. And when you're drafting, you might draft a, a sub-perfect tile that's more flexible because I can use it to finish off that area of blue or it can go in here for to help me score partially one of these scoring tiles. And it's it's constant thoughts to yourself of, I've put myself in this situation, I've got to think my way out of it. Exactly. Calico gets the highest, highest level of recommendation from me. I don't give out 10s until several plays. We are eight plays into Calico. It's not a 10 yet. It's high, hard to get me to get a 10, but it's a high nine. <laughs> Knocking on the door. Very good. 
We're going to move on to a Spiel des Jahres, or a Kinderspiel des Jahres. No, a Spiel des Jahres. Was it a Spiel? Was it the a Spiel? The crew got Kinderspiel. Not Kinder. No, Kenner. 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 No, this is Spiel. This is Spiel, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're, we're showing our, our vast knowledge of the gaming world. <laughs> I've been really busy. It won something. <laughs> really busy. I'll look it up. Carry on. <laughs> it won something and definitely was either the Spiel or the Kinderspiel. I think it was the Spiel. I think you're right. And Pictures is designed by Christian and Daniela Storr and comes from P.D. Verlag. Very simply, you've got to guess the pictures your opponents are creating in this game. So you've got a 4 by 4 grid of pictures with... Um, pictures is the Spielders Yara's winner for 2020. There you go. Thanks. Uh, you've got a 4 by 4 grid of pictures, uh, which are basically photos and stock photos of various buildings or animals or what have you, sea, sea pictures. And then you've got grid grid coordinates on the outside. You've got A, B, C, D, 1, 2, 3, 4, just so people can work out what, what you're talking about. And on top of that, you've got a... Groups of components that you're going to pass around the table to each other. You've got shoelaces, you've got colour cubes, you've got some sticks and stones that go together, you've got building blocks. Careful, careful, you break your bones. Break your them. bones, yep, yeah. yep. And you've also got icon cards. And what you've got to do is whatever one you're assigned for the round, you're going to draw a token out of a bag. That's going to tell you the grid components that is your picture that you're trying to, to make with, with whatever you've got. Everyone else has got to guess it at the end of the round. If you guess someone else's, you get a point. If someone guesses yours, you get a point. Um, very simple. you just got to be creative with what you've got. It's a very, very simple premise. Uh, reminds me of a lot of other games. There's things like Dixie or even Pictionary or Dodles that we've talked about before. Very, very similar to those sorts of games. I think that this can be a super quick review. It is going to be. Okay. Is it inventive enough? Does it give you enough opportunities to have the crack and be a bit left field and be funny? Because basically that's what it's going to pitch on to sit amongst the best in that genre. Quite simply, no, it doesn't. It, it's quite clever. It does not replace Dodal's Dixit or even Pictionary for me or Telestrations, whatever, whatever one you want to go for there. I think it does get very repetitive because you, you tend to pick multiple of the same picture and you're making the same picture over and over again with different components which could be interesting but the, the photos aren't very inspiring because they're, they're stock photos and they're quite bland and quite boring oh and that's that's a letdown because <laughs> i want i want them to be interesting photos so that i have to really stretch myself to to represent them in yeah the they'll be like a, a tree branch coming across a field or a a shack in the in the woods. Or Shacks in the woods. Shacks in the woods. Is or it being policed there? A boat out at sea. That's not very exciting. It's not. It's you not. let me down there. They are, they are quite boring photos. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the paradigm here because I'm about to do it on the next one I review as well. This got spilled as Yara. Spilled as Yara is not for gamers. It is for the mass market. Clearly now, in terms of a mass market game, how does it rate? I think it rates quite well. It's very accessible. I think it's uh, if you haven't played something like Dodles or Dixit, I think people would say actually it, it's quite creative and it brings out the creative side of children in that they're trying to make these pictures with different components and they've got to think a little bit different for each one. How am I going to put this together? Some of them are just purely based on colour, like the cubes. Some of them you're actually building physically what's on there, like the blocks and, and, and the shoelaces you're trying to sort of 
intertwine and, and the icon cards themselves they're the hardest one to use by the way you've got to sort of think right what icon lends itself to that picture it's like concept yeah yeah um so is it only for kids is like would you play it adults only i wouldn't i don't think there's enough there for adults so whereas again say it dixit or dodles or yeah uh, i was going to yeah. say the list of games that yeah, i mentioned really, before okay, yeah. um can all be played by adults <laughs> <laughs> i can't see a drunken game of pictures where i can see a drunken game of dixit well there you go that's it pictures it's a good mass market game but probably not for gamers yeah indeed beautiful move on half time we will see you very well you'll hear from us very shortly we have given you four games now as Ronan just mentioned in the in the downtime there Tearing out the 4-4. I am tearing out that 4-4. <laughs> that was an editing comment, Sean. <laughs> they, they were the bigger games in this episode. We're gonna, we've got some smaller games now that we can talk about. So this half will be a little bit quicker, we think. I didn't know this was a smaller game. I'm going to tell you the truth now. I was on Twitter one day, and as I think a few of us have been, oh, you know, you can get in a bit of a funk. And someone was talking about there's a new Alexander Fister game out. It's a dice roller called Monster Expedition. And I said, oh, I have a bar of that. And then I couldn't find it anywhere. And then I started schlooping around. There's English rules on BGG. You can get it from Amazon.de. I was like, oh, oh, oh. An, an unusual fist that's hard to get. That's me fisting all the way. I'm going to grab that. <laughs> and I did. And it came, and it turns out it was a small game, Sean. In every single way? Every single way. It was a shock to me. It's from Amigo <laughs> Schmieler. One to four players, 30 minutes long. Uh, average rating of two, no, no, uh, not an average rating, 2.22. That would be terrible. That would be terrible. That wouldn't uh, be good at all. depth rating of 2.22 out of five, which that overshoots seems, it by about yeah. two. say <laughs> <laughs> point two, surely. That, I think, suggests that it's heavier, heavier than Canico. Did you think more during Monster Explosion than Canico? It was a bit fiddly. <laughs> <laughs> was it? So, I thought it was, it was oh, you know, twisting okay. the cards and stuff. Ah, twisty. Yeah. You're going to have to be cans. Ah, the head. Now, we, that's our Irish accent bit of every... But we did do it. We go into it naturally. Uh, of course. <laughs> Raised them around it. What do you want us to do? Right, glorious. What are you doing? You're taking a turn. There are seven monsters available plus a special card. They have a difficulty and one of three terrains on them or some of them are in all terrains. You have three base camps based one of them in each of those terrains, be it forest, based in forest, sea, or desert. Where you are in the base camp, they've got eight levels that you can rise up through, and they tell you how many dice you are about to roll. You are going to pick up those dice, and you're going to roll them, and you're attempting to get to the difficulty value of whatever monster you have decided you're going to go for amongst the seven available. Keep that in your head, though. That's a secret. No one needs to know that just yet. When you roll the dice, you choose one of the values that has been rolled, and you bank all the dice with that value. And then you can choose to keep them, and that's your score. And if you can claim a, a monster of that difficulty or lower, you grab it. If you wish to carry on going, you can push your luck and you can roll your dice again. Bank a number, carry on going. However, if you get to a point where you cannot bank because you've only rolled numbers that are already in the bank, or that'll be about the only way, really. You haven't rolled a number? <laughs> I don't really, yeah. Okay, then you will lose one die out of the bank off the highest value, and then you get to choose whether to hunt then or to carry on rolling. 
Okay. Uh, to note that where you go from will give you access to one special die where the, it is still a D6, but it's got different values on there. They're not one to six. So that's part of your decision about how likely certain numbers are to come up. Once you've stopped, you say, okay, I'm going to get one of these dice. Get one of these cards. When you grab a card, it's going to score you a certain number of points at the end of the game. Everyone can see that. Mm -hmm. It's also probably going to give you a special power. You can collect sets of different terrains, which will allow you to roll more dice every time you go hunting. Some of them will allow you to upgrade your base camps. I said there are different levels of them, and the higher you go up in level, the more base dice you will start with rolling off. So you've got a chance of getting higher, but you're also more likely to roll the same number again. Okay, some of them, when you roll certain numbers on the special dice, usually, that will allow someone to upgrade one of their camps because depending upon where you are in player order, when certain numbers are rolled, you will be able to automatically upgrade your camp again, allowing other players, that's about the only interest they have on your turn, is one, you're, what you're hunting, and secondly, have you rolled their special number. Some of the monsters, when you take them, have got cages on them, and they'll allow you to take a cage or steal a cage. What are cages, Sean? I know what this explanation is, making it sound way bigger than it is. Okay, good. <laughs> I'll finish it off quickly. <laughs> Cages are face-down monsters. All monsters, when they're face-down, are a cage. It means you draw from the top of the deck. The deck is a certain number of cards, limited, and that's how the game is going to be timed. When that deck of cards runs out, the game will be finished. The cage stays face-down to the end, and when you flip it over, you score points for it. But it is a reduced number of points. However, you might be getting something for free. Also, you'll note, I said there's a special card at the beginning of Seven Monsters. If you roll very high, you can go to the Monster Hunters and grab a load of cages. And again, you don't know what you're going to score, but you like to score more than just killing one monster the higher value the monster the more you're likely to score sean Roman. it is all about that dice push your luck system it is definitely the best part of it start there second point to come <laughs> the dice push your luck system it does what it says on the tin run it's a bit of a bit of a yahtzee push your luck I suppose you, you are taking into account other people, what, what will score them, the little bonuses. So if I have rolled a, a five and Ronan, one of Ronan's upgrades on a five, maybe that's not the one I want to bank for the round. So, yeah, there's a little bit of thinking, but not, not a terrible amount, Ronan. Oh, I didn't say it was thinking. <laughs> I said it was the best part. No, I've, I've only played this one once. Ronan's played it multiple, multiple times. Um, just one multiple. Just one multiple. <laughs> um, so I've got, basically most of my questions are in, in terms of the game You're length, not going to let me do my second part of the dice. No, no, I'm not. I'm okay, you do the questions and we'll come back to it. Okay, we'll do that. Hit me. In terms of the game length, how long would you say the average game in your, in your experience has lasted? 25 minutes, 20 minutes. That's fine. I'm allowing that. Okay, good. Thanks. Okay. Good. I feel like this has never become a test. <laughs> and the last, the last, the other question is for the right at the end. Okay. All right. Questions was an exaggeration. It was. It was. There uh, are questions. Okay. But there, there was only the one. Split. The split. Now I'm stressing. Yeah. Right. But the thing about that dice rolling system, Sean, is, <laughs> <laughs> is that it's best at the end of the game when you're rolling more dice, and you don't get to roll very often very many dice. So you just get to the bit where you're like, oh, this is more fun. I'm pushing my luck and going after the bigger monsters and the game will end on you. Right, yep. Yeah, okay, that would, that would okay. be a bit of a party pooper. Yeah, part of the interaction is that quite a few monsters later to steal cages means everyone's going to attack the perceived leader because you can see a lot of what people have got. Oh, they're rolling more dice with their camps are upgraded. So that becomes a bit of that, which is fine in a short, but it's not that interesting or clever. Does it play two players? 
Yeah, it plays one player. Does it? Yeah. Oh, but two players would be rubbish. Could you just be just take it off each other? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just kind of accepting it. Then I, I mean, I accept it when I play with the girls that they were going to steal my cages with the was winning or not. <laughs> um, here's my question to you. I'm not sure I'm able to answer it. Is that I got it purely on the name of Pfister. Where is the clever top designer bit to this game? What separates it? What, what's any different than anyone else with a design like this? I don't think there is. I got the impression that he was just making a, a silly, fun game that families could play together. I, I got that impression from it. That's definitely the idea. It's, it's sort yeah. of a thematic sequel sorts of Carnival of Monsters. Which yeah. was a hit in Germany. This is for the German family audience. Yeah, you know, more for me for not doing more research. I just got excited and bought it. But you expect a little twisty twist. Yeah, when you when you got someone with his pedigree, you do expect. Oh, yeah, that that's very clever, and you can see the fist coming through in it. <laughs> the fist. No, don't, don't gesture like that. Gesture no. like that. <laughs> I always say gesture for gesture. Jester. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, curly toes. I'm having fun. What I'll, I'm going to do a little comparison for you. That is one of our favourites. Dice fishing. Dice fishing is fun from the first roll. You're having the crack. You are. Yeah. This. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, the magic in dice fishing is working out what everyone else is going to put into the into. Yeah, the... But whatever it is, it's in yeah, general, yeah, yeah. the fun starts from from the first second. In this, it's kind of standard, especially once you played it a few times. You're just going through the moves until you work out which one your base camp is going to accelerate, and then you hope that big value monsters, because the monster yeah. deck retreats until someone gets a cage, so you have fewer fewer available. Uh, uh, you hope the big ones come out from, from the terrain you're good in and if they do then great you go after them if they don't then you can't so in the end Sean your question and we'll sum up on Monster Exposition I think you've pretty much said it is it a keeper was going to be my question are you keeping it in your collection yet yet nope you well, oh, I don't, you don't I'm, own it. <laughs> the question was your sum up, not that you're going to keep it. Have you stolen uh, it? I might have. Um, yeah, I just felt, when I first started playing it, I felt it a little bit fiddly with the twisting around of everything and trying to keep uh, keep on top of everything. Then once I got into the game, I I didn't dislike it, Roland. It was it was fine. I was enjoying myself. We were having the crack, but there was nothing nothing amazing about it. There was nothing that sort of made me think, oh, I'll get this even for playing with James. So. Yeah, it's a bit of a meh for me, I'm afraid. I said it's okay, it's not memorable, it's bargain bin stuff. I can see this being available when we finally go back to Essen for five euro or something. It's worth picking up for that. It's worth as a, a you know a chuck in on an order. You'll get a few games out of it. It's not world changing. Uh, to be honest, Alexander, I don't know why your name's on there, mate. I think you might let like a mate design it because <laughs> it misses the magic. So that's Monster Expedition for me. But Sean, you are about to review us a top 200 game on BGG. I am. And it also made my list of the, the best of 2019. It was my best artwork. It did. Um, and it's Parks, the one to five player game coming from Henry Audubon and Keymaster Games. So in parks, or well, the players are hikers in the US National Parks. And effectively, you set up a trail of tiles, and each of the tiles is going to give you an action when you land on it, uh, which are whether that resources or gather cards or what have you. And you're going to move two meeples of your colour along this trail along with the other players who also have two meeples in their colour. Now you can't go on the same tile as another player 
and once you've gone forward you can't you can't return so you can only only progress forward so if a player's in front of you they're blocking that tile you have to jump over them that's the essence of the game why are you doing this well you're gathering those resources to get park cards and they you pay in the park cards once you get to the end you've got the opportunity to pay in the resources and get those park cards and they're going to score you points at the end of the game there are some other things going on there are canteen cards which give you your own personal action where you can pay water onto it to get resources you've got gear which allows to break the rules slightly or gives you a boon and you can get multiple of those into into your tableau there are, there's a camera in the game that allows you to take photos, and photos are little bonus points at the end. But that's genuinely pretty much all that's going on, Ronan. It is stunning. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The reason I got this game was purely for the art. I absolutely adore the art style. But what I didn't do my research on was whether there was a game in there at all. So I'll let you speak now. I did my research on the game <laughs> And I know that you often like to label me with this moniker, but I'm going to bounce it back onto Parks. Oh, go on then. It, it's much like me. It's a honey trap. <laughs> I think so. Both yourself and Matthew, in the episode, I think, for the best of 2019, both told me that there wasn't there wasn't enough to this game. It was an uninformed opinion. We never played. <laughs> it was an uninformed. But having read the rules completely like with it. Matthew because he just heard Mike Delicio liked it and he looked at it once <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "No, nah, not for me." Uh, but yeah, there's very very basic play running. Really basic. You're just moving along a track. Now that track extends. So the track represents a season. And that extends every season by one tile. So you've got one more action as you go, as you're moving along. But the game really kind of limits your opportunities to mix things up. Like you've only got so much opportunity to get gear, is what one that it's a car that mixes things up. You've only got so much opportunity to get canteens and, and use those canteens. So you're kind of just on this sort of very linear track. Uh, we are progressing to the end of that track. It happens very quickly. And in, if you've got enough resources, you get to buy a card. I put on my hat that says confirmation bias in action and went through the comments <laughs> section. So I only have things here that confirm what I thought. Right, fair and enough. from what you're saying, the I've sort of taken comments that came through from several comments. Because it's number 159 on BGG. It's lunacy. But... What the, the the naysayers were saying was too balanced or balanced to the point of blandness, whereby the, the, the reason the actions aren't interesting is because they don't make that much difference in the end. Not really. <laughs> so you've got, because you've got two two player two um, meeples, two hikers, if you really want the tile that gives you sort of two sunshine or whatever it is, then if someone's blocking that, then you just go ahead with your other meeple and you wait with the other one. So you, you'll get there. Right. You've just got to be patient. It's very rarely that somebody will block it out twice. So, yeah, it's there's, there's not that tension on whether you're going to get to that tile. There's a lot of stuff about it doesn't really shine until you get at least four players because of that lack of tension otherwise. 
Uh, any thoughts on would more players make it better? Because I think you've only played it two or three player. Yeah, I've only, I've only played it uh, two and three. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think it would. I think that's probably... But I think it would probably veer into frustration then, rather because you're just blocked for everything, and you, you've kind of your energy's literally draining out of you. Like, this game. <laughs> you, um, you, but you, you'd be it's blocked. like it'll just be. You know, don't don't be. It's all right. It's, you've you'd wasted be, your money on worse. You'd be blocked for pretty much everything, and your choices would be made for you. I think in a four-player game, you, you can't. Yeah, that's there's there's two tiles open. One of them's right at the other end, and I don't want to waste that, so I'll go to the one nearest to me. That's my choice. So yeah, I think I think four would be difficult in different ways. Okay, this is why I'm worried about the community as a whole. All right, <laughs> because I saw a number of eight and nine ratings on there, and I'm like, okay, I will look for what they're telling me. What's the magic? What's the special? What can I say to Sean? Is this good? Does this sound? And the three things that came up again and again and again on eight and nine ratings for this game were the art's amazing. Yeah. Got that. Mm. I love the facts that are on the cards. Interesting. Right. So they are all genuine US national parks. They're all from real places. That's amazing. Yeah. That's why I'm going to give a game eight or nine. Cause I that okay. <laughs> and lastly, and this is possibly as much as the art I mentioned, it's an amazing insert, Sean. It is. It's got game trays. Yeah. Great. That's why I give a game eight or nine. It's a wonderful production. Yeah. What you've got in the box, production-wise, is fantastic. What you've got in the game in the box, game-wise and gameplay-wise, is a game that gives you little bits of good mechanisms so it gives you a little bit of that blocking and that progressing as far as you you want but never been able to come back it gives you a little bit of resource collection it gives you a little bit of uh, getting those unique cards into your hand but it doesn't give you enough it doesn't give you enough of any of them to make it interesting to me Parks, not for me. <laughs> Parks, it's in my collection it probably won't be very soon I will be sad. Parks to see it is go. amazing. They're coming in February. <laughs> a bargain price. In February, yeah. I will be sad to see it go because it is absolutely gorgeous. I wouldn't mind getting somebody. If one, if I read one more time that this is a gorgeous game, I don't care. Right, it's a gorgeous game. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. Yeah, thanks. Right, go on. What's what's your last game? Well, I'm sticking us in the time machine, Sean. Back to a game that you reviewed, but I want to talk about it again because I've heard such wildly swinging things about it. I thought, God damn it, the world needs a thousandth opinion on Horrified. I can't remember what I said about it. I, I think, can. I think I was meh, but I can't A bit meh, yeah. and then I was a bit cynical because I'd heard so many good things about it. And this right. one, after Parks being number 159 on BGG, this is 190. Another top 200 game. Mm. So I was like, Sean, you're being a misery. I asked him afterwards, did you play it when you were tired? Did it not go well? You're in a grump? Was it, <laughs> you know, is it one of those things? Because I've heard such good things about it. It's horrified. Prospera Hall from Ravensburger, one to five players, 60 minutes, depth 2.04. So again, light end of light medium. Yeah. Lighter than Monster Expedition. No. I'd say it's a two. I think that's right, and the other ones I, need to just. I think it's about 1.7. Do you? Yeah. Oh, you're very precise. Okay. So it's been covered before. So, here's my thought on it. The theme. So, the theme is going to get it a lot of attention. Yeah. And I like the theme, especially around Halloween and wintertime and spooky and all the stuff of it. Yeah. But to me, playing the game thrashes the theme out of it. 
for thought, many reasons. I thought the the monsters were thematic in what they did and but, how they went about their business. I don't think how they went about their business. I think how you defeat them and sometimes maybe, those event maybe. cards. The event cards were the most thematic mm. bit. That you'd pull a Dracula card and if Dracula was in the game he would suddenly disappear or he'd vaporise or he'd appear somewhere else or he'd mesmerise, charm someone or the Invisible Man would suddenly start doing tricky things. Or yeah. Those cards were definitely the most thematic bit. In terms of what they actually do in the game they all do the same thing. They all walk to you and eat you. And yeah. that's where the theme fell down a bit for me and in other areas as well. I'm going to go back to what we said about about pictures in terms mm-hmm. of judging this as a mass market game. Yeah. Very okay. good. Yeah. In terms of a standard mass market game, very good. Yeah. I think it brings uh, co-op play to the masses and gives them an understanding of cooperative play. Okay. In terms of a gamer's game, I have many, many problems with it. And this is where like the gamey snobbiness comes in because we've played lots of games, we have standards, and this does not match them at all. And the first thing is huge issues with the player count the difficulty swings ridiculously if you've got lots of players four or five players you just have a rotating tank if a couple of players go around picking up every item they can and they go and stand in the middle and draw the monsters to them and they just speed off items while another one goes and picks up and the other guys can get on with winning the game yeah if you've got two or three players especially two two is ridiculous <laughs> like two even with two monsters is really really yeah, hard yeah, it's, it's, that's it, no good that's not a good design we, we played three player and we found it quite quite tricky and we're, we're gamers the enraged monster mechanism so I said there's these event cards you put them out and they tell you what monsters activate and it's balanced of how many and the monster who's had an event will never then activate an attack because all of them that activate move towards the nearest target be it a player or a villager mm-hmm. tries to eat them if it gets to a villager it will automatically eat them and your your lost track will go up one if it gets yeah. in the lost track you've lost if it gets to a player you'd have to start chucking items away that you need to defeat the monsters every monster needs two stages done with all these items so the enraged monster thing whereby the enraged monster goes again means the monsters can trigger twice is a rubbish mechanism <laughs> because it removes any planning or hope or if we just keep two away from these guys it's less likely they'll get us oh the enraged one went again and jumped across it's jumped halfway across the map yeah, yeah. and we just couldn't avoid it there was no I, way I remember disliking um, the villager appears mechanism because if they appeared next to you, great. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll escort them and I'll, I'll be grand. If they appeared next to the monster and the monster activates, chomp, they're gone before you can influence them. You've made that point for me. Thank you. Jolly good. <laughs> uh, 100% agree. And my last one was that, well, I was talking about the theme getting ruined is because the map's too tight. So it doesn't allow for clever play because suddenly everyone's on top of each other. And where you've got to go to get things or where you've got to lead the villagers will take you near to the monsters and they all congregate towards the middle generally and you can sort of try and lead them away a bit but they'll end up coming back to the middle anyway and you can't lead them away with two or three players because you can't spare the actions so that's what really bogs it down for me and in the end uh, my first play I liked it because I was charmed and there was ideas and we played it four player and, and it, it worked much much better four player I think it's easily the only in fact playable play count and I rarely say that about a game four players the only playable play count for Horrified but the flaws quickly showed and this is not a good game Ooh. it's okay at Halloween I think that it must be getting rated from one or two plays because it has got no legs and soon all those problems start shining through. 
Yeah, I mean, we found it really repetitive. We found like we were doing, even with the, the thematic side of the monsters and the way the different ways you kill them. The, 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 the basic, same thing. Yeah, the basic things you're doing is the same over and over and over and over again. You're collecting items and spending them. No yeah. matter what the theme says it is, yeah. that's all you're doing. And, yeah, we lost our interest after about two, maybe three games. And the telling thing for me was not not myself okay i'm thinking okay well i'm a gamer maybe it's not for me maybe it's a victim of the hype and i thought it was going to be great and maybe i've come at it a bit too harsh but it was when i got a trade offer i said to i said to james because it was effectively his game because i bought it to play with him i said um i got a trade someone's offered me a a really good game that i I like for horrified what do you think and he was like "Mm, i don't particularly like it daddy get rid Fair enough. So that, that was it. Like, yeah, okay, if he didn't see the beauty in it and the magic, then he's kind of lost. It became it, frustrating and too random. Yeah. And I know whether people say, oh, you're boring, you have to understand the story, enjoy the story. A story has to develop. It can't just be random events happening all the time. That's the worst sort of co op. And that's what this came, especially that Enraged Monster. Horrified. Didn't quite horrify me. <laughs> I would play it again, but. At Halloween on a full moon in a good mood. Yeah, fair enough. I concur. So our last game, Ronan, is... It's a hot game. Do you really want to hurt me? No, you've lost me. Keep going. Do you really want to make me cry? Yeah. Okay. You made me play this. Oh. (laughs) This one broke, Ronan. It's Scoville, 2014 release, two to six players... Designed by Ed Marriott and coming out of Tasty Minstrel Game Studios. So, what are we in Scoville? We are pepper farmers. And we are hired by the town to create the hottest peppers in which to enter competitions and sell. Now, the gameplay is... It's another one of those games in this episode, Roland, that are very easy teachers. And some of them go on to be quite simple games and this way it goes the other way it's quite a, a thinky mind most of it is an easy teach there's a part of it that's very okay. unintuitive but we'll get to that but yeah so basically what you you'll start off by bidding for pepper cards and that gives you your basic peppers into into your hand into your tableau then you get to plant a pepper now the player order is twisting left right and center so the bid goes in one way and sets the player order then you plant a pepper in that player order and you have to plant a pepper on this on a board which represents a, a pepper field or a, a allotment or something and you have to place it next adjacent to another pepper that's already on the board it's a shared board so it's a shared board where everyone's board. all planting on the same board then you get to harvest peppers. Now you must you move three spe- steps around the peppers around the around the field, and you are collecting peppers that you move between. So if there's a pepper on both sides as you move between that space, you get to collect a pepper. Now it's not necessarily the pepper color that you've gone between because different peppers combine to make different colors and hotter peppers, and and that's how you're going to build up to the hottest peppers and the different colors by crossbreeding them. That's, that's how we got in, you. Yeah, that's exactly how you do with me. With a, the pig, a llama, and a whale. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> do you need a hug? <laughs> and that's done in reverse order, Rodan. That is. And then back in the player order, you've got fulfilment, and that's when you get to either sell your 
concoctions or your groupings of peppers or you enter a competition and you put together a certain concoction that's going to make a nice chilli for people to uh, uh, to eat. The cards come out in morning and evening. So the morning cards are, are your basic peppers. The evening cards start to ramp up a little bit as the game progresses. I found it very easy to learn and get into, Ronan. But as I've already said, that didn't necessarily set the tone for what the game became. It's a trap. It's a trap! This caused me so much pain. This hurt my head. We've talked about this. I've got my theories on why. You don't agree with them, but I've got my theories on on why. It's so much to think about. (laughs) It's just complete... Oh, I am not alone here. I I went and looked in the comment section again. The the two letters AP are littered throughout the comments. (laughs) Something about AP ruining the game. I don't know about that. Sean would have to comment on that, but I... I think, Sean, that I don't get AP that often. I think I'm usually quite quick at playing games. I think... I died in this game. I think people who are good at maths, while the people who are going to struggle at this game because they want to solve the puzzle, and it is a solvable puzzle. And you... (laughs) No, I mean, this is... You were you were always growing up. Maths was your strong your strong point. You were in the top percent oh, of. Stop, yeah, no, stop. no. Well, well. Whatever. But this is my point. I think you tried to solve the puzzle here, and I think it it was solvable. But you had to work hard to do it, and it was late at night. We were tired, and all of a sudden, this this massive maths conundrum comes your way, and you tried to solve it. And I think it very nearly broke you. What does Paget call it? Because it's Spock brain. It's an episode of Star Trek. I think I mentioned before, Kirk has to go inside Spock's brain. And Spock's brain is so complicated, there's so much stuff going on that he just frees up, he can't cope. And that's what it's called when you get this in the game, where you're trying to calculate too many things at once. But it's it's simple things. It's the way they all combine together. The first thing is that turn order mechanism is genius and I could not work out what the right answer was did I want to plant first did I want to harvest first should I hang around in the middle was it worth my money not worth my money because I want to keep my money to buy cards everything every step of the game you're you're thinking ahead every step of the game you're thinking right if I plant first then I get to sell first but what am I going to be left with what does Rachel want what does Sean want then what what will I be left to, to, to be able to harvest? Because I'm going to harvest last. And you can block each other. So this, this is the next thing that's agonising. Because <laughs> if you're harvesting last, people can block you. They can. You're not allowed to go through or be on the same space as somebody else. And someone might stand in there with the only... It, we, oh, right, it, might need a, it might not be the highest one, but it might be the <laughs> colour that I need. Desperately need. And they are standing there. And we, I think most of the time we know that. You know that. Oh, you kind yeah, of get a yeah. feeling for what people are going for by the peppers they're gathering. Just circling you, trying to get to the place <laughs> and get a white pepper, and you're just like, oh, I've ended up here again. Now, <laughs> you could play this very nice and everyone go off to their own little corner, but that would take you. You never get good peppers, though. Yeah, yeah. You want to piggyback on other people absolutely but preferably at a distance of one space from where you want to be <laughs> because then you're worried about where they're going and you're worried about what they're after and will they get that one space but where they plant gives you an indication of where they want to go but it's too late then because the turn order is set so in slow motion you're getting murdered <laughs> because they plant you go and then you're having to reset the spot brain again going around and around, uh, and around. And, but there is a hierarchy of pepper so the uh, the pepper is there, or is it just complete? What it gives? What gives? What color? 
Oh no, but yeah, to, to make the different colours is like, oh, well, okay. But you do get a handy dandy little. Is it handy or is it? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> but like the clear, there's there's clear, there's black, white, brown, what have you, and they there's that's kind of the hierarchy. Clear, then black and white are kind of similar. Then brown's a step down. But brown doesn't really give you much in terms of combining with the other peppers. But it is it's present on lots of the cards that you want to buy from. Yeah, yeah, chili. Yeah, yeah. So, but the clear ones are so the you ones... you want the black and you, white to breed, but you want the browns to score yeah. points. And, and the clear ones you want for the big, big scoring yeah. in, in the competition. That's right. Well, the first person to collect one gets a big bonus. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that's another thing to think about. This first person to plant one, so you might have it uh, there. Plant one, and but do I really want to plant it? Because that's not the color I need. If yeah, I plant this yeah. one, so do I want those those points, or do I want to play for the longer game? Yeah, this this there is a lot. I have a couple of issues with the colors. Mm-hmm. First one is that that thing. So you get you get a cross reference chart where the colors go across the top and down the side, yeah. and you cross across them and say, oh, that's what the color the two of them make together. It it wasn't intuitive. In certain cases, what colour would be created? No, we were still looking at the end of the game as much as the beginning. And as much as, yeah. yeah, you never got used yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many options and they don't I, make sense. They don't follow a pattern. I concur. And so much of this follows a pattern that you're still looking for a pattern to be there. Now, there is a pattern, don't get me wrong. It's just not an intuitive one. The second part I'll say, Sean, now, I know, I see you've written down that the, the peppers change in size as they become hotter, mm-hmm. which is a nice touch, but some of the colours were quite close to each other. They are, but I think the cur- uh, well, they uh, brown, maybe brown and purple, red and brown and purple and orange are all a bit. Yeah, I didn't think I. I it didn't. You have the eyes of a hawk. <laughs> I have the eyes of a hawk, but I, that's why I like the the, the schedule, the gradual uh, size of them. But I mean, I can tell the two millimeter difference. <laughs> like when I'm when I got them, I can see. Yeah, yeah, the crystal is clearly a lot bigger than than red or whatever the littlest one is, but a little bit. And there was also another little cheeky way of getting stuff into your hand was you could, uh, uh, as, a, as a free a- action on your turn, you could pay in a, a colour of pepper and that pepper would be worth... As what, much as, as there are planted, yeah, half of what happened. Half of what is planted there. So you could you could absolutely rinse, like get as many red on the table and then half bring in red into your tableau. And then that's another way of getting getting points. And I think that's money. like if I'm if I'm not involved here in the big chilies and I've got behind and I don't have the the blacks and the whites and I'm not building up the big. I think that's the way in which you look at doing it. And we all did it at a certain point because mm. there happened to be lots of blues out. Yeah, but I can see that. Yeah, yeah, but but you're relying on the other players to do it. And another mm. nice bit of of interaction. Ready to sum up. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. So what, what did you? I actually don't know what you think think of this because it's you you were so broken when you went to bed that night. <laughs> It is right. So I, I really liked the interaction in it. Mm-hmm. I really liked the agony of the decisions in it. Mm-hmm. I really liked the level of thinking. I loved how clever the turn order was. I didn't love how points were scored, and generally I weight that quite highly in a game. Yeah. Okay. Um, it wasn't the best for me, but the strength of the mechanisms themselves carried it through I mean I was broken but I quite liked being broken and you know that about me <laughs> uh, so I, I liked Scoville a decent amount 
I want to play it enough so that I'm no longer struggling with what breeds into what and I'm not fighting the rules. I, I can then concentrate all of my spot brain onto the actual puzzle of it, the extensive, dynamic, turn order laden puzzle of the game to enjoy it. So I don't think it's got the potential to become a great for me, but I think it was a very good game and I enjoyed Scoville a lot. I, I wanted this game for so, so long. I, I forgot what it was even about. I knew it was about Peppers, but I'd forgotten about the mechanisms and what have you in it. And then I finally got it in a mass trade. I always went for a mass trade. And I was so surprised at how easy it was to learn and how easy it was to get into. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it, Ryan. And I, I love the puzzles. I quite like the scoring mechanisms in that you know what you're going for and it's a bit of a race to those higher scoring cards and you can see what people are going for and you can either take them on in the race or you can adjust and maybe go for two lower value cards which is what you did really successfully in the game we played you went for lots of lower value cards as myself and Rachel were racing for the like the, the 20 point jobs which only one of us could get because we were, we were pushing each other for them so I, I like that I did like that about it I like the the morning and afternoon um, aspect to it the morning is quiet not relaxed but the morning sets you up but definitely the, not relaxed the, <laughs> the, the morning is more relaxed than the than the than the evening <laughs> and when the evening comes along you the game's really getting towards a finish anyway. And the game can actually finish, we haven't, didn't even say, it can finish in the morning if enough cards go from the, from the tablet. It doesn't seem that likely. But it's not likely, but it can finish. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop rambling. Scoville, I really enjoyed myself and Natalie both like it. We liked it even at two players. Probably a bit nicer to each other with two players. Um, but all player counts, I really think it's a strong game. You're going to stay in the collection. It will not be coming to you in the sale in February. The grand sale of amazing <laughs> the games. Grand sale. This one's too bad to make the sale. <laughs> You're PT Barnum last episode. You're I did. Be, uh, I did. Can I still be Zach? No. Uh, you can do what you do, but I can. You're not going to see the great show with me. This podcast is over. <laughs> okay. Those are the eight reviews. Should we get on to our other business? I'm going to kick you in with Kickstarter. Oh, I thought you were going to kick in with the million games you've bought. In the I'm last saving month. that. I'm not even going to mention them all. <laughs> I think it'll be rude. But Kickstarter, Christmas. I now have three birthdays in the next four weeks to deal with in my house. I have kickstarted nothing. I was in the same boat until yesterday, Ronan, when I had a little cheeky kickstart with Darwin's Journey. Now, 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 bay. It did not appeal to me initially, purely by the look of the game. It looks very mechanical. There's not really a lot of artwork going on. There seems to be lots of different boxes and grids. And I was like, no, that's not for me. Then I started looking at reviews and listening to people talking about it. Was there hype for a Kickstarter game? There's hype. Amazing. And... I then I looked at who was involved in, in the designing and one name stood out to me. It's uh, Simone Luciani, who has nice. done... I'm looking at two of his games right here, Lorenzo Magnifico and Grand Austria Hotel. There's a bit of pedigree there. So I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in for now. I'm going to do a bit more research, but for now, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm in. You're in. I'm in. Right. I'm in, Rice. Um, I know what you're saying. I really like designers... That you know, you know the old Scotland whiskey and sheep. <laughs> this this one for me is also a little bit. I'm not that. It doesn't tickle me as much. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't I, mind a bit of a just sale, mate. I read a good book about the bounty. Well, the 
subject matter was fascinating. The book wasn't great. It but, didn't tickle me. It didn't no. tickle me. But yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe it's FOMO. Okay, probably. Probably. I am going to go through most of the games I got in the last <laughs> month. Right, I'll, I'll just, just go to bed, shall I? No, no, no. Stay here and, and support me. <laughs> um, but bought some of them, was lucky enough to get some as presents. There's a fair old list. I won't go too long into them. And some of them are being reviewed shortly, including Sean's very excited because you got it for Christmas as well, Dwellings Off. Eldervale. Oh, uh, yeah, I can never work out what it is. It's Dwellings of Eldervale. <laughs> yeah, let me read it. Yes, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. He says something to do with those two words, and I know what I, I always about. say Elverdale. Veilings of Rivendell. Yeah, okay, yeah. got it. Good, thanks. Uh, that's coming in our next review episode. We, I've only played it once so far, so I need to catch up with Sean, who's played it more. We have got differing opinions, and that's all I'm going to say. So far, yeah, we do. Yes, but we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. The next one is Lost Ruins of Arnak. You were kind enough to teach Rachel, who taught me. Yeah, I think. I'm your grandchild. I didn't get any abuse. No, so weird. I, th- I, think, I think I might have actually taught it right this time. Uh, there was a couple of things wrong, but don't <laughs> worry. They're only minor. <laughs> so that is also getting reviewed next episode, so we're not going to yeah, say too much about that. And I got that as well for Christmas. You did. So we both got those. I have got a game arriving tomorrow that you bought at Essen. At Pretendiessen. Praga Caput. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. going to be reviewed, not next episode, but it's going to be coming up because we both got it. Um, and excited, that's a Vladimir Sushi little number. Mm-hmm. We're looking at Shipyard. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, Red Cathedral. I managed to get hold of a copy. I've been sniffing at that for that's a while. That's another one that's completely sold out everywhere. Yeah, lucky to get hold of that. A Devere game, a quickish Euro in which you're building, I'm guessing it's St. Basil's Cathedral. Is that the right one? Mm-hmm. The old one in the Kremlin. It's very old cathedral, lovely building. I think St. Basil's. Okay. Dune Imperium is three episodes away for a review. Mm-hmm. I've had to put Sean back because I can't play all these heavy games all in one go. No, we might have to invite Natalie in for that one. Okay. She has thoughts. She has thoughts. She has thoughts. Okay, it? that's all we'll say. So we both got a copy of that. Uh, a Kickstarter turned up. Waste Night, second edition. Oh, did it? Oh, I was... I was quite excited about that, Ronan. You were quite excited. I was, I was. I missed out on the Kickstarter, and I was quite happy that you'd got it. That is going to be in the June I, Imperium. I uh, had a episode. couple of Kickstarters. If I could just dive, hold on, let me divide, divide your seven percent into my list. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so I got a game that you weren't really fussed about, but I got the giant version of it, which was Meeple Circus. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Amazing product came in a wooden crate. Oh, uh, mate, you know that's a nine then. It's got a great <laughs> insert and facts about uh, national parks. Uh, the insert, it's got those kind of foamy miniature. No, I don't inserts. care. I do. <laughs> I do. Shut your mouth. But yeah, we we love ourselves a bit of uh, Meeple Circus, and it just made better. It's just huge components now. It yeah. looks awesome. And we got the Anachrony big box that stores everything, and the expansion that goes. Isn't that like ridiculous? It's. Like a massive box, is I could almost live in. Un unstorably big. It's very big. Yeah, I saw the size of it and I was like, wow. So I've just got base and acronym. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it, it yeah. barely fits in it. <laughs> Are you ever going to play all that stuff though? Probably because I are you going to get overload? Because like you look at it and you go like, this is yeah, too much no, stuff. maybe. But at the moment, it's probably Nat's favourite game in the world. Okay, so she's desperate to play it more. So I'm, I am an old cynical man about getting that many things for a game. I just listened to the episode of Dice Tower where Tom has Jeremy on because uh, Eric's just moving. Mm-hmm. 
and Tom is talking about Kickstarters and he says, oh, I may as well go in. I may as well go in a bit more. Oh, for the sake of getting these expansions, I may as well get the whole lot. And that's how you end up on a whole lot. And Tom was saying, sometimes he wishes he'd only gone in for the base game and find out whether he likes it first rather than having these huge boxes in his house. And I am, I know about it. I'm so even more and more going on that. Then too. then with Marvel Unlimited, he only went in for the base game and he's gutted. He's beaking, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the number of times you're gutted to the number of times if you're like, I can't even open that box because I, I haven't got time to sort all the stuff out. I've only got a certain amount of time to play a game. I, I have to admit, especially with Call Me or not, I, I can't do I can't have another massive cool mini or not or something like that turn up because I just don't have the space. Ragnarok. Anymore. Apart from Ragnarok. <laughs> Ragnarok gets a pass on everything. Okay, I'm only gonna do a few more. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm not I'm not mean to boast. I'm stealing but... Halatel, by the way. Is that on your list? Oh, uh, I think I mentioned it before because I've had it for I think I got it around Destiny. Oh no, it doesn't matter, it's not yours anymore. Uh, is it hard to get? I don't care. I can't afford it. So I'm stealing yours. Halatau <laughs> uh, is in the plans for I, being reviewed I'm, again down the I list. haven't played it yet, but I can almost guarantee you from watching playthroughs by various people that that would have been in my top five Uwe Rosenberg games. That is a big shout for a game yeah. you've never played. It is. It is. And we haven't reviewed and it. And it, it looks amazing. I'm desperate for it. Okay. Well, you'll get to play it, but not yet. Yeah, I've I'm stealing to... it. It's gone. Okay. You're not. <laughs> Sean got the family a present and Prospero Hall was talking about uh, Horrified you got us Last Defence a real time Defendi game yeah it was supposed to be just for like a Christmas day everyone get together I thought it'd be a good idea they were too busy drinking I know yeah lushes yeah. uh, were me <laughs> okay our friend Fabio Lopiano is grilling himself up and obviously we had to show some support and I think we both bought a copy of Merv Merv, yes, yes, we did indeed. I have played Merv. It looks nice. That will be to be reviewed. Yeah, that will come soon. I've got a couple of trade games. Uh, Forgotten Waters came in, was one of them, Plaid Hat. Yes, yes, uh, I've got that. Pirate <laughs> book. You've got everything. You see, you see, you say, Ryan's going to talk about all these games you've got, and you end up having more than I have. <laughs> I pretty out of it. I do a lot of trading and... And yeah, buying. And buying. Yes. All right. Uh, a couple more, Sean, to finish off. I got, there's a Kiesling and Kramer game going around. We did mention them earlier, Paris, that hasn't got much buzz. I don't know whether that's good news, uh, bad news or not, but it's called Renature. It's a tile layer. Yes, I saw it on your shelf. I didn't know much about it. It's um, yeah. Plastic Soldier Company, right? Yes. I don't think it's going to get reviewed anytime soon because it's been pushed down by this flood of games, but I'm looking forward to trying it when I do. Last couple, I got bought Babylonia for Christmas. It was on my uh, old Amazon wish list. I've played it. Mr. Jude introduced me to it. Uh, Knizia hybrid of a couple of other games. I'm interested to see how that comes out. Almost as a, almost an academic sort of thing to be like, how's yeah. he used two different sort of styles come together? And the last one I got for Christmas as a present, and I've been trying to talk my gaming friends. We started playing on Board Game Arena a couple of times again. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to talk them into us all getting the app of Root. Uh, and playing it and learning it probably because I got bought a copy of Root and now we've talked about it loads but I have not got to the level of familiarity where we're all playing the game we're all still playing the rules some of them are up for playing Root Lloyd isn't uh, I might have to beat him up <laughs> I, I've got it I've put it on the back shelf to be honest because it's no point trying to play it until I get three or four players who are willing to learn it and play it again and again yeah. so uh, I'm happy to have it the potential of the ability to play it often and learn it, it makes me happy. Yeah. Whether it actually comes to fruition or it's not. It's one that I would love to play and love to play regularly, but I know I won't, so I won't buy it. 
it's hard for you. I, I don't want to like speak for you, but it's hard for you because when you get to together with us, we've always got games to review. Yeah, yeah. So um, oh, one one game I did forget to mention I got in trade was Mariposas, which had a bit of uh, a yeah. was a bit of a hit earlier in the year. Seems to have died away a little bit. Oh, so I'm interested. Butterflies like like butterflies do. See, yeah, they die away. Yeah. It's winter. That might be it. It's um, wingspan lady Elizabeth Hargreaves. Sure. It, it looks interesting. You've tickled me. I want to see how it's rated now. So just fill for a little while. Think of another game. What's that? Thought. Mariposas? Yeah. Fill for a little while. Um, I'm looking in front of me at Grand Austria Hotel. Great game. Castles of Burgundy. That's, this is terrible feeling. <laughs> this is terrible feeling. Oh, Tammany Hall got remade, Ronan. Did it? Just a new reprint? A new reprint from the people who did Dinosaur Island and I can't think of their name. Pandasaurus. Pandasaurus. They were the ones who brought out last time. Oh, were they? Oh, yeah, I've oh, just okay. got the very, very old one. Oh, there, okay, yeah. Not the original horrible white and pink one. <laughs> I've got the slightly horrible one. I don't one, think they did anything amazing, massively to it. I don't think there's... They didn't last print. They're yeah. just ones who brought it back from the dead. Fair play to them. Tammany Hall, amazing game. We probably haven't mentioned that for five years. I, just horribly brutal game. Right, Sean. Baraposas is doing fine. It's got a decent rating, not, not wild. So I'll be interested yeah. to hear what you think of that. Our order of business, we have got reviews coming up next time round for the likes of Arnak, Dwellings of Eldervale, Kingdom Rush, and other stuff. Other stuff, indeed. The Very Strange Far Away. It's Very Strange Far Away, the latest in the DC Deck Builder collection. Because <laughs> you can't get by without talking about uh, it. It's been six it's, months. It's been six months, so <laughs> I need to talk about it. <laughs> and then we're going to do something we started last year, and we're going to look back ten years, and we'll be doing a top no, ten. apparently it's a tradition, Ronan. I thought we'd done it a few times. <laughs> Smart assery over here remembered that we'd only done it once. I could have sworn we'd done it since like 2018 or something, but anyway, whatever. We're going to look back 10 years and do a review of 2011, our top 10s, so you'll really see what's stuck around, what are the, the best of the best. I'm looking I'm looking forward to it. I think that's when things started really ramping up in the game world around that sort of 20. Well, that's just for you they did. Well, maybe. So everyone's got a personal thing on it, right? That, that was the golden era of games. Yeah, because you were discovering all these games. <laughs> and the first ones you discover in a genre are the ones that stick with you, which is why, you know, we, we get more critical and stuff again. Although we, we found some good games this time around. Yeah. Especially Calico. Well, Calico, That's, yeah. That was the business. Cracker. Absolutely. Right, should we let the good people go? Yes, indeed. Thank you, Ronan. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, everyone, very much for listening. And we will catch you next time on the Game Pit Podcast. And we are very proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Go there and to the Dice Tower itself for gaming goodness galore. When this comes out, the Dice Tower Kickstarter should still be up and running. Pop along there if you like what the Dice Tower do. Give them some money, don't give them some money, whatever you want to do. But there's plenty of promos and things up for grabs if you do. We are on social media. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram account. And we're on Twitter at Game Pit Podcast. If you wish to download the episodes, you probably already know where to go because you're listening to this. But we're on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and something else. Podbean. Podbean. That's Amazon Podcasts. Apple yeah. Podcasts. We're on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're listening to it. I don't know why we ever do it. <laughs> I don't know why we ever no, do it. Why do I you think do we should it? probably stop. I don't know why you this do it. This is the last thing. time we're going to do this. There you, you go. You stop the whole lot. Executive decision. If you want to talk to us, the gamepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Listen to the Dice Tower Network. Thanks, everyone. No.
No? No, that'd be rude. Carry on then, go on. That'd be rude. I forgot where I was. Sorry to have broken you, your You've told, us, told them the game bit podcast at gmail.com. I said that, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can also go to our guild. Our guild, don't Geek. forget our guild show. Our guild that's just died a death. No, never, no. <laughs> we got, we've got some ideas for episodes from it. We did get some ideas. And again, if you do have any ideas for episodes, top tens, any questions you've got for us, please give us a shout. We absolutely love hearing from people. We, we always respond to the several questions within six got. months <laughs> within 16 months we will we will definitely maybe if you're listening email us <laughs> anything and thank you very much for listening we've definitely both gone early to we'll catch you next time <laughs> music by E. Arrow. Oh. <laughs>